Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. without white folks and be able to raise the question what is it that we're going to do independent of white people it is very very hard for us to envision a world without white people but we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them but certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Majwo, Habargani, Salbona, Nangadef, Anisogoma, Hetepu, Indamana, Indamanesh, Peace, War. Pan-African greetings, family. This is Kamal Mukasey Tahuti, and you have entered Africa's reascension. As we do every show, we will start with an apae or libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirit forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. I go, I go, I go. Odumakuman, Inyame, Inyamewa, Treaty Upon, Olorun, Obatala. Asar, Bejeyensa. Asasiya, Ensa. Abasun, Ensa. Abasun, Po, Ensa. Nanasurjibi, Ensa. Nana Esiketuwa Nsa, Nana Dadakofi Nsa, Nana Tigre, Nana Tigre, Nana Tigre Nsa, Nana Kumi Nsa, Kwekufri Nsa, Akonadi Abena Nsa, Asubontid Nsa, Bochwewa Nsa, Tamensa Nsa, Chehuti Nsa, Maat Nsa, Oya Nsa, Oshun Nsa, Ogun Nsa, Oh, Shango, 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 Ensa. Nana Nome, Ensamanfo, Ensa. Ensamanfo, Abasu, Fao, Ensa. Abasu, Abasu, Fao, Ensa. Kweku, Ensa. Kwamina, Ensa. Charles Desterans, Ensa. Yeshremo Yansa, Yeshremo Ahodin, Yeshremo Enchera, Yeshremo Sikapa, Yeshremo Enquaso, 
Yeshremo and Kwaso Abasua Fao. Yay and Kwaso. I ask you, Odomakaman, and Yame and Yamewa, Treaty Upon, to use me and this form to impart clarity and cultural consistency to all within the sound of my voice. May I speak directly to their soon soon, their spirit, and reawaken the long dormant asleep African inside them. Medasipa, Medasibio, Mo Piafo, Mo Casa, Medasinanano, Yo Medasinanano. All right, I'm Kamal. This is Africa's Reascension. And what you just heard was in the tradition of the Akan uh, and Apai or Libation, which is an ancient practice that is still done to this day in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, and future become one as those of tomorrow look upon what we are doing now and drawing strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. Now, for regular listeners who, who hear the beginning, um, you towards the end, middle end, um, you may have heard three extra names, uh, Kwaku, uh, Kwamina, Kwabada, and um, Charles Destrains. Um, I'm adding those three in specifically for tonight's show uh, because those were three of the leaders of the um, enslaved African revolt, the largest one that has been deliberately swept under the rug of the United States, coast upwards to 500 stolen Africans took arms, took cane knives, took whatever they had and rose up and killed caucasoids and burned down plantations and did what they needed to do for freedom. And so I definitely wanted to uh, call upon their names and their energy um, for tonight's talk. Um, Tonight is um, Resistance to Enslavement Phase 3, Part 1, on foreign soil. Um, We've been doing basically what I'm calling the Resistance Lecture Series. Um, Phase 1 dealt with our resistance on the continent because we did resist uh, these crackers and um, fools of our own ilk who were helping Caucasoids. Uh, but we did resist. Uh, of course, some resisted better than others, and some had better strategies of resistance than others, but just the fact of us resisting over on the continent uh, was the most salient point. And then um, resistance to enslavement phase two was on the slave ship, on the enslavement ships, and um um, we shared the story of the ship of the Marlboro, where about 100 Africans um, killed basically all of the Caucasoid crew, um, took the ship over, turned it back back to the Boney Coast, 
and the, and 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 set down anchor, and after a little bit of internal struggles, if you will, um, we recaptured our freedom. We got back down on the ship, went to shore, and went back home. Um, so that group, at least at that time, was not enslaved. And um, that particular carcassoid who put that book together went through, you know, about 500, 493 um, shipboard insurrections. Uh, all of them were not successful, unfortunately. But towards the end of that lecture, we went through um, ship by ship as, as much as we could and, and and went through, you know, where the documents took us as far as um, the name of the ship, where, it's, where it was coming from, from Europe, where it was going to or where it went um, in Africa, and... Um, if they were able to take over the ship and if they got their freedom, um, again, as much as the documents as this um, Cogazoid pulled together. That was phase two. Tonight and tomorrow, uh, next week, we will be dealing with um, phase three. Once we did get over here, we still resisted. So we resisted on the continent, we resisted on the ships, and then when they got us over here, we resisted over here too. And so I didn't, if you heard last week's archive, I didn't know if I was going to do this book today. But then when I started thinking about it, the dates just made sense. Today is January 9th, and the book that we'll be talking about, um, the, the, the revolt started January 8th, 1811. And... and on our screen, let me read the description. January 8, 1811, January 8, 1811, was the largest enslaved African revolt in the United States. Close to 500 enslaved Africans in New Orleans rose up to take their freedom. Immediately off the heels of the successful Haitian Revolution just seven years prior. Today, we will examine the new work that gives finally a national spotlight to this deliberately unspoken part of stolen African history, American Uprising by Caucasoid Daniel Rasmussen. Also, and I hope to remember to repeat this, for anyone listening who will be or is in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, this Saturday coming up, I think it's the 15th, um, at 6 o'clock at Politics and Prose, they're at 5015 Connecticut Avenue Northwest. The author, the, the, the Cognizant author of the book we'll be talking about tonight, Daniel Rasmussen, will be there from about 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And so, if, again, if you're in the area, it's free. If you're in the D.C., Virginia, Maryland area, um, come on through and check it out. Um, I'll definitely be in attendance. And I've also seen that with the release of the book, he's doing book tours, so I know he'll be in New York. You know, um, I don't know if he – I had, didn't check to see if he has a website with all his tour dates or whatever, whatnot. But um, as far as having our history and, and knowing our stuff and what happened, we need to get a hold of this book, American Uprising, um, The Untold Story of America's Largest Slave Revolt. 
And so, again, if you're in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, this Saturday, I think it's the 15th, um, at 6 o'clock at Politics and Prose, 5015 Connecticut Avenue Northwest, um, Daniel Rasmussen will be there speaking on his book from 6 until about 8, 7.30, something like that. So we will play a promo. And play a song, depending on what Blog Talk has left me with, left me with, and then we'll move right into it. There's a lot of good information that's in this book, and within this two-hour program, I like to get it all all out, so then we can focus on uh, maybe some maroons or some other um, enslaved African insurrections in America or other places. I got so much information. <laughs> we could do a whole show on Jamaica. I got a Black Rebels with us doing stuff in Jamaica. I got another book on slave revolts in Puerto Rico. Um, so uh, then, of course, got stuff here in the States. So, so we can keep this going, but the, definitely we need this resistance information in our arsenal. These crackers and their helpers did not come over and take us willingly and lightly, and we just hops and skipped down the trail onto the ships and just happily were enslaved when we got brought to America and Brazil and other places. We fought these bastards tooth and nail every single stretch of the way, and we have to really check ourselves to see are we fighting close to as much as we used to fight then, now. Peace and divine love, family. Do you want to critically analyze African culture from an intellectual, honest, and practical perspective? Are you tired of all the distractions, self-righteousness, yelling and arguing with no plan or solution? Do you want to build on the facts and deal with the subject or issue at hand? Well, come and listen to our nation's ambassador, Asar, Acknowledge Born every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m. That's every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m. on the show everyone is talking about, African Holistic Healing, at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ambassador Asar. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ambassador Asar, spelled A-U-S-A-R. Or call in live to build or ask questions at 347-850-8653. That's 347-850-8653. Peace. Your right great-great-grandfather killed my great-great-grandfather. And your white great-grandfather my great-grandfather and your white grandfather raped my grandmother and your father stole, cheated, lied and robbed my father. What kind of a fool would I have to be to say, come, my friend, to the white daughter and son? Freedom of death, the heart that beat in my chest Won't let me stop until one of us is bleeding to death I live with my brothers, I can say that I love them Cause it's black people, we're all responsible for each other The kids you make your semen blood clot Dominicans with no socks The only difference between us is the boat stop Don't let them confuse you, you just letting them use you Believe in everything they tell you, that's just something that fools do Take your 
moments and looking just open the book to people that they say was great but just killers and crooks. George Washington owned over 300 slaves, but this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. I want to dig him out of the grave and shoot him right in his face. Put a needle in his vein and just inject him with AIDS. Some people try to tell me, forget about the past. I can shoot you right now and forget about your ass. How we gonna forget about 400 years? All the blood, sweat, and tears and the murder and the kids. Children, men, and the women, and nobody did a bid. Better scrap off the table in the stomach of a pig. I still feel the pain of those murders and slain on the body. I'm a I'm a friend of the demon, so as long as I'm breathing, no more getting over. Now it's time to get even. Time to organize the people with your clicks and crew. Time to bring it to the suit and the boys in blue. I do what I gotta do with this delivery. The fact they put the bricks by the sacks on the back of the black. We better organize if we want to survive. Cause I'm a big freedom fighter to the day that I die. Be a freedom fighter to the day that I die. Peace to everyone that's in the chat room. Peace to everyone that's in the call queue. Uh, if you want to get in on the discussion, don't wear that on me today, switchboard. There we go. All right. 760-454-1111 is the number. 760-454-1111. Again, we are talking about the book. And if you're on the um, show page, I apologize. Um uh, I've got three books up there. It's supposed to be three. The third book was supposed to be um, Kebuka by Mwalimu Baruti. And I guess they had the cover of the book when you click onto it, onto the link they have the cover. But when you just do the initial search, the, the cover of the book doesn't show up. And so that's why it didn't show up. But Kabuka. Uh, is is another magnificent book walking through what we went through during the um, physical phase of the Ma'afa. We're in the more psychological <laughs> phase of it now, if you will. Um, still a lot of killing going on, but as far as the overt stuff, you know that 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 that's that sort of taking the backseat, sort of. American Uprising: Untold Story of America's Largest Slave Revolt. Daniel Rasmussen read a bit from the prologue. In 1811, a group of around 500 enslaved men, dressed in military uniforms and armed with guns, cane knives, and axes, rose up from the slave plantations around New Orleans and set out to conquer the city. They decided they would rather die before they would work another day of breakbacking labor in the hot Louisiana sun. Ethnically diverse, politically astute, and highly organized, this enslaved African army challenged not only the economic system of plantation agriculture, but also the expansion of American authority in the Southwest. Their January march represented the largest act of armed resistance against slavery in the history of the United States and one of the defining moments in the history of New Orleans and, indeed, the nation. Because of the brutality and because of a shared belief in the importance of a specific form of political and economic development, these government officials and slave owners sought to write this massive uprising out of the history books to dismiss the bold acts of the slave army as irrelevant and trivial. They succeeded. 
And in doing so, they laid the groundwork for one of the most remarkable moments of historical amnesia in our national memory. While Nat Turner and John Brown have become household names, Cook and Kwamina, Harry Kenner and Charles Deslandes have barely earned a footnote in American history. Though the 1811 uprising was the largest slave revolt in American history, the the longest published scholarly account runs a mere 24 pages. This book redresses that silence and tells the story that the planters could not and would not tell, the story of political activity among the enslaved. And we can keep going there. Um, so what he was able to first pull out are some names, are two names, Cook and Kwamina. And I will give the young Kukazoi some credit. He did do some digging to see um, if there was some more background to Cook and Kwamina, K-O-O-K and Q-U-A-M-A-N-A. And he did find out that Cook was probably a um, bastardization of the Akan named Kwaku and Kwamina with the Qs and all that sort of stuff was probably a bastardization of Kwabena or it could have been Kwamina but K W. And uh, and so Yeah. I'm 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 sorry. <laughs> name Coot was the name associated with the spider um, the classical, the classic trickster Kwaku Anansi of Akan folklore. Um, and so, yeah, he did his digging. And I probably, I didn't get a chance to double check, but um, Dr. Kwesi Konadu, he did a book called The Akan um, Diaspora in North America, in the Americas, excuse me. And he walks through all of the different Akan presents within, you know, Central South and then here in North America. And and and, and I know that brother and with his um, level of research I'm sure he may have come across this and even verified it. Um, and he gives by so 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 Kwaku and Kwamina were a con. And he walks through the fact um Daniel Rasmussen on page twenty two he walks through the fact that the Asante Kingdom was a military union made up of a diverse range of local quote-unquote tribes. Um, many Akan soldiers brought to America had been common soldiers trained to fight in the massive armies of the West African continent. And so uh, when, 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 you go, when we go through the book, the way they were organizing the other enslaved Africans and and, and it seemed like they had some military training, so it would seem to fall in line and back up that they not only came from the Akan area, but that they were trained uh, militarily. <laughs> it's this this book. I'm tr- there's so much good stuff that's in here. <laughs> I'm trying to see where to begin. Um, 
because I'm, I'm not going to go through the entirety of the book. You should check it out. Um, it just came out hardback, I think maybe 27 bucks or whatever. This one is worth purchasing. Um, you know, on this show we go through both sides, books that are, are, are worth getting and books that you should um, steal or borrow or just check out from the library. Um, this is one that, that is not a bad one to have in your personal library. Um Now I had jumped ahead in a show beforehand and shared this again and shared this, but I want to go ahead and reshare it. So again, we can get the attitude of what was going on in New Orleans at that time, so we can get an idea of what was going on during the enslavement period, um, and and to some degree how far off we've fallen from that. The crew saw rebellion. In every dark face, fearing constantly lest their ship erupt into violence. Traders knew that children could carry messages and used their sharp eyes to discover loose nails and other potential weapons. That women could use their greater freedom to spy and survey the opportunities for a revolt. In fact, studies suggest that slave rebellions were more likely when there were more women on board the ships. The enslaved did more than just plot revolts. They also shared valuable information, established networks of communication, and laid the groundwork for the pan-African slave culture of the New World. The informal networks that would sustain these men and women in captivity began to form in the dark holes of the ships. The slaves shared their histories, established bonds of trust and affection, and speculated constantly on what might await them at their destination. So again, they did try to, um, after we got over here, they tried to separate us if they if, if the crackers could notice some type of commonalities within language or commonalities within dress or other stuff like that, but for the most it, on the on the trip coming over, that was when a lot of um, alliances were formed and some um, plots were hatched out and thought of during that time. Ah, so much, so much. Try as they might, the slave owners could not turn people into machines as people do not submit easily to cruelty and exploitation. One liberal traveler on the island noted the judgment and resentment that the slaves expressed when by themselves. One has to hear with what warmth and what volubility, and at the same time with what precision of ideas and accuracy of judgment, this creature, heavy and taciturn all day, now squatting before his fire, tells stories, talks, gesticulates, argues, passes opinions, 
approves or condemns both his master and everyone who surrounds him, one traveler wrote. Now, 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 Mr. Rasmussen says this. Had this traveler been an African, he might have discovered much more in his, in, 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 in his journals. He might have known the meaning of the African chant, eh, eh, bamba, hue, hue, kanga, bafio, te, kanga, mone, de la, kanga, doki la, kanga, doki la, kanga li. Or, as he translates into the English, we swear to destroy the whites and all that they possess. Let us die rather than fail to keep this vow. We swear, (laughs) we swear to destroy the whites and all that they possess. Let us die rather than fail to keep this vow. Now this is what this specific um chant is what they were chanting over in Haiti. What 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 the what Daniel what the Caucasoid Rasmussen does is he he builds you up to the New Orleans piece. So he has um a chapter dealing with what uh what the Maafa was like, what child enslavement was like, you know, as best as a white boy could. And then he brings in what was going on in Haiti and, 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 and the Haitian Revolution, the successful one. And then he brings you up, and then he talks about what was going on in America and how, uh, well, quote unquote America, how New Orleans was, you know, a newly forming nation and how there was some stuff. Also going on down in Florida, there was, you know, the Seminole Wars down there. And so there was some discontent in the Southwest. And the Army, the American Army at that time was already stretched thin from from fighting over in the Southwest and fighting some other places. And so all of this together, the Army being stretched thin, um, information coming over from the Haitian Revolution that had never died down, you know, folks thinking about that over and over again and plotting and planning. All of this led to the inevitability of January 8, 1811. Um, so that particular chant that I just um, stated was something that came from the Haitian Rebellion. And we can never forget the words that Buchmann shared. Um, His translation of it is, the God of the white man calls him to commit crimes. Our God asks only good works of us. But this God, who is so good, orders revenge. He will direct our hands. He will aid us. Throw away the image of the God of the whites who thirsts for our tears and listen to the voice of liberty that speaks in the hearts of us all. So so just doing this as a backdrop, so 
so we can get an idea um, of, of, of the psychological aspect of what was going on during that time and how the information did trickle over to uh, Louisiana, did trickle over to New Orleans. To the point to where we finally (coughs) acted on it. I'm trying to see a good point to start to specifically jump into 1811. Y'all got to get this book. I'm a little disheveled. I was with um, another group of folks earlier today, and we were watching Basura. Magnificent movie with a few issues, but otherwise magnificent. Um, dealing with um, capoeira and 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 Brazilian liberation, if you will, and um, so I got in a bit late, so I apologize for not being as organized as I usually would like to be. Yeah, no, I won't go there. Okay, so now I've introduced everyone to um, Kwaku and to Kwamina. Another prominent person in the um, 1811 enslaved African revolt, and I'm sure I'm butchering his last name, but his name was um, Charles Deslandes. And the way he puts the book together he lets you know that Charles was one of, um, he was a headman. He was a trusted headman. Um, he was so trusted that he was one of the ones that his enslaved African owner would give him messages and tell him to go, you know, take it to another enslaved African owner on a different plantation. And so Charles, sort of experience a little bit more freedom, if you want to call it that, than some of the other enslaved Africans because he was trusted and he could go on um, and, and and learn the, the environment and, and, you know, he was taking messages to, and stuff to other folks. And so when... <laughs> When it all came out that he was one of the major, major players in this, um, <laughs> let me go here. In fact, this is on page 84, talking about Charles. But as Charles went about, his daily life and work, ringing the bells, whipping the slaves, driving ahead the machinery of the sugar factory, taking nights and weekends at the home of his mistress, he was not the contented slave he appeared. In fact, 
he was using his authority, his relative freedom, not on the behalf of his master, but rather to push his own agenda. Charles, who in the eyes of the planter and his fellow slaves seemed to be the most loyal and the most privileged of all slaves, was in his spare time a plotter. He was one of the key architects of an elaborate scheme to kill off the white planters, seize power for the black slaves, and win his own freedom and that of all those laboring in chains on what then was called the German coast. He was, in modern terminology, the ultimate sleeper cell. Embedded intimately close to the enemy, he dreamed nightly of executing. He would begin his revolution by attacking Manuel Andre. Manuel Andre was um, his 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 quote unquote owner. And so, now again, I started that off this this piece off by saying that the crew could see um, the crew feared that 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 they could see black rebellion in every face. They could see rebellion in every black face. And when you see that in every face, then it's a bit easier to do this whole spook who sat by the door or this sleeper cell piece. But too many folks went that route, went that rhetorical route in the 60s to the point where now I don't think if it's even feasible (laughs) now. Uh, No, I'm going on record as saying this. Let me move this closer to the, my, my, my mouth. No, Obama is not a sleeper cell for black people. No, Obama is not the spook who sat beside the door. But at this time, Charles was, and he used his um, privilege, if you will. He used his um, inside information, inside privilege to plot. And to plan And to do The thing That would need to be done Uh, So What was the date on here So a few days right before January 8th When he had his so called Relative freedom He um went to the plantation where um, Kwaku and Kwamina was. Now he listened, this is on page 86, now he listened intently to the African rhythms of Kwamina's speech. Kwamina's face bore the blood markings of the Akan. He was an intimidating man. Captured and brought across the Atlantic Ocean a mere five years before, he was Kwaku's best friend and close associate. Sick of the brutal work of sugar planting, Kwamina perhaps now talked of what one slave would later describe as the goal of the uprising, to kill all the whites. That was the goal, to kill all the whites. So then he walks through, he gives you a little bit um, about Kwamina, where he was from, what he had to do. They talk about um, the third gentleman, Harry Kenner, 
And then, of course, they go more into Kwaku. Um, Um, this is a side note in the in, in the sense of the, 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 the big three or the big four that we talk about, but I made a note in the margin to uh, revive his name. So let me read this. In the 1780s, the slave Juan Malo from the, the Arnsborg Plantation on the German coast led a thriving maroon colony in the swamps below New Orleans. St. Malo, as he named himself, was reported to have buried his axe into a tree near his colony and declared woe to the white man who passed this boundary. St. Malo and his men, reportedly numbering over a 100, repeatedly repelled the raiders sent by the Spanish government who came into the swamps on Pyrrhus, armed to the teeth with guns. <coughs> the Maroons built extensive networks of slaves on the plantations that provided them with food and tipped them off about impending raids. Eventually, the Spanish grew so, in- the Spanish grew so incensed by St. Milo's independence and the threat he posed to the slave plantation that they sent a massive force of militiamen into the swamps in 1783. The militia, following the tip from a spy, or I would add sellout, came upon the unsuspecting maroons and opened fire. This time their expedition succeeded. They captured a wounded St. Malo and brought him back to New Orleans. On June 19, 1784, the Spanish hung St. Malo in the center of New Orleans, creating a martyr and a folk hero for the German coast slaves. So, again, another person that I personally haven't heard of, and I'd love to know if there's any records of his real name, but uh, Juan Malo, or St. Malo, was the leader of a um, maroon group in New Orleans who um, was doing the damn thing for about three, four years, and then... Damn sellouts, as usual, mess stuff up. Mess stuff up, mess stuff up, mess stuff up. January 8th, 1811. So he walks through, I mean, while there wasn't a lot of, while there wasn't a lot of public I guess, information from all the historians and stuff. He went to New Orleans, and in certain parts of New Orleans, they have, every year, they have a um, a, a remembrance ceremony, if you will, for this particular um, revolt. And, and there have been um, books self-published that were done um, talking about this, and so he lists those in his bibliography. Um, and then, you know, just like any writer would do, you know, you em- I won't say embellish, but if he couldn't get a specific, um, what word am I looking for? If he couldn't get a specific description or occurrence, 
um, Rasmussen would go to a similar one and then use that and sort of go back and forth. Um, I, I don't really know if that makes sense right now. Uh, but he, he did the 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 the, the this Cogsoid did his did his homework. I give him that, and, and he filled in stuff admirably where the historical information was lacking. Um, he did a good job with that versus pulling stuff out of his butt um, versus kowtowing to you know the the the, the, the European audience, if you will. Um, I really feel that he kept it true to what was actually going on um, as much as he could for a white boy. So the first place where they hit, of course, was um, Charles, Charles um, Deslondes, his plantation. That's that's where it started. On the night of January 8th, the rain continued to come down. Water coursed along the wood roofs of the slave quarters, drowning their staccato voices with streaming, rushing noise. Twenty-five dark faces looked on as Charles laid out the plan and gave some final words of encouragement. Every man assembled knew that his presence meant a near-death sentence if the revolt failed. No slave revolt in Louisiana had ever been had ever before been successful, and the punishment for failed rebellion was clear: torture, decapitation, and one's head upon a spike. Yet, with the planters distracted by carnival and the American military fighting the Spanish passed by Tarn Rouge, the enslaved Africans believed they just might have a chance. <laughs> As the slaves made their final preparation, Manuel, Andrew, and his son Gilbert lay asleep in their beds in their respective chambers. Surrounded by family portraits and fine furniture imported from Europe. Um, now I want to get to the good part. Okay. As the slaves stormed into. No. With Charles leading the way, the slaves entered the brick wall storage basement and made their way toward the double. The wooden double staircase that led upstairs to the quarters where Manuel and Gilbert Andre slept. As the slaves stormed onto the second floor landing, Manuel Andre woke to the sight of dark forms penetrating his bedroom. As his eyes snapped open and his brain awoke to the fright, Andre caught a glimpse of Charles, a new look on his face ordering his fellow slaves toward Andrew with an axe. One can only imagine Andrew's reaction in the fog and panic of these of those first instances of awareness to seeing Charles, his most loyal driver, his reliable assistant for over a decade, the man he had trusted to manage his plantation, now turned betrayer and potential murderer. His mind clouded by fear and anger, Andrew's eyes fixed on Charles's axe, 
a plantation tool transmuted into an icon of a violent insurrection. As the slaves surged towards him, Andrew leapt from his bed. The slave stood between him and the staircase, and the staircase was his only way of escape. Andrew made the decision to act charging towards the surprised slaves. As he rushed through the crowd of rebels, the slaves lunged at him, slicing his passing body with three long cuts. (coughs) But somehow, Andrew made it past. He hurled himself toward the staircase, turning his head only to catch a most horrifying sight, the slaves swinging their axes into his dying son's body. Pursued by a pack of angry rebels, Andrew could not stop. He could not turn back. With the blood-curdling vision of his son's death emblazoned in his mind, his adrenaline took over. He ran for his life. They go on, they go on. Um, Asked later why he had left the Andrew plantation that night, the rebel Jupiter replied, they naming us after planets and shit, Jupiter. He replied that he wanted to go to the city to kill whites. Charles and his men began to march. Charles shouted, on to New Orleans. And the newly formed rebel army shouted it right back. The revolt had begun. As the 25 rebels gathered guns, knives, and horses on the Andrew Plantation, rumors of insurrection inception flashed like lightning through the German coast. On to New Orleans. On to New Orleans. One thing that was also a constant throughout their their, their marching up the quote-unquote German coast was you, you keep seeing Rasmussen talk about the beating of the African drum keyed the men to excitement. And when you keep on reading this, you see that statement constantly over and over again. So while they were marching, and, and most of the time it seemed like these three days from January 8th to January 11th, it seemed it was raining most of the time, but they had folks who were um, doing the drumming to, to, to get, get the men and the women into action, to get them battle ready, if you will. And so the the, the African drum played mightily during this um, three-day rebellion. And, of course, unfortunately, there's... Um, Stories in here of sellouts of folks who tried to tell about what was going on and um, to try to protect themselves. And in the beginning, you know, in the beginnings, of course, it did not help. Um, in, in in a few instances, it unfortunately helped the um, enslaved African owner get away and get his family out so they wouldn't be chopped up and hacked up, unfortunately. Um, But, again, I think you're always going to have sellouts. Um, It's just a matter of managing them. (laughs) Uh, 
But we have to build up the um, loyal forces a bit more because I think right now I would say the sellouts outnumber those who are loyal to um, total Abibi Fahudie, total African liberation. So we have to work on that. So now they're going from plantation to plantation. And, you know, more and more people are joining them as they go. Like we said, it started with 25 folks. And so, you know, some of the enslaved Africans were sort of shocked to see this happening um, and to see these white folks running into the swamps and running away versus dealing with confrontation. So page 105, I think this is here. The planter's decision to flee emboldened the rebels. The slaves were not used to seeing black men using violence to control white men, and the effect was intoxicating. Freedom or death, they shouted. Impressed slaves rallied to the rebel flags. I would say we're still not used to it. The, the 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 slaves were not used to seeing black men using violence to control white men, and the effect was intoxicating. We're 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 still not used to it, and it's a damn shame. Um, we might need to get a bit more used to it, but anyway. So they went to uh, another large plantation. Um, I'm, uh, again, I, this, I, I hate this English language, and I hate French even more. Uh, T-R-E-P-A-G-N-I-E-R, Trey Penier. That, that, that was another um, slave plantation. He saw the enslaved. He saw the folks coming, but he didn't think that they posed much of a threat. And so he sent his wife and his children out to the swamps, and they, you know, begged him, come with us, come with us. And so, of course, you know, being cocky, he refused. Um, sending them off, 108, sending them off, he resolutely loaded his fouling pieces with buckshots. Amid the bitter chill of January rain, he locked his doors and took a position on the second floor gallery. There he waited for the slaves to arrive. He didn't have to wait long. In the morning light, he could see the smoke of four or five burning plantations curling into the sky. He could hear the ominous beat of the African drums pounding and pounding. But as far as this account, he was not afraid. He had heard similar drums at slave dances, and he imagined he, he, could, he, imagined he would be more than a match for a ragtag band of slaves. Uh, Quickened by the shouts and calls of the rebels, um, Trey Panier did not expect to see what he saw next. Around the bend of the levee came a venerable army, divided into companies, each under an officer, black men, and militia uniforms advanced toward his plantation. Marching along the levee, they shook their fists and their weapons in the air. At the sight of the slaves, he leveled his double-barrel gun and began to fire. The smoke of his weapon engulfed the second-floor gallery that skirted his mansion. Buckshots were notoriously inaccurate, and the smoke obscured the shooter's visibility. 
but Trepanier hoped the slaves would be intimidated by his presence and turn back. His estimation of the slave's strength and his decision to stay behind proved dead wrong. Kwaku led a party behind the plantation house up to the second story. As other slaves lit the fire to the foundations, Kwaku took his axe and hacked Francois Trepanier to pieces. Local legend has it that Gustav, too, swung an axe, enacting final vengeance for years of patronizing mistreatment. Let me, let me, let me reread that one little piece. As other slaves lit fire to the foundations, Kwaku took his axe and hacked Francois Trepanier to pieces. The rebel army had passed its first test They had annihilated one of the most hated men on the German coast But Charles and Kwaku and all the others knew They needed more blood to baptize their intrepid revolution The slave army knew the obstacles remained extreme Oh man, we ran out of time Folks got the hand up. Ah, see, I got into too much stuff here. Yeah, we got to keep going. We're gonna keep going after this. Um, yeah, we're gonna keep going. So, for anyone who's listening on the on the computer, please call in seven six zero four five four one 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 one. Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. We got two minutes left. I just looked up. I see your hand caller. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play the um, closing piece. We're gonna take the call and then we're gonna continue here. A BB Fahodier, total African liberation. of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. 760-454-1111. Got a minute before the switchboard die. About to bring this caller in. Uh, sorry, I think you had your hand up for a minute. Uh, last four digits, three nine five seven. Please give us your name and share your insight. Welcome to Africa's Reascension. Greetings, greetings. This is Yao Kepper calling out of New York City. Um, How's it going, brother? Yeah. Fine, but Zuri Sana, Um One thing I, I came into the call, uh, came into the, about maybe eleven thirty or so, eleven forty. One thing I think is um, important that you mentioned was uh, the sleeper cell concept. Um, 
I think that uh, at at this point, with all the traders and turncoats and you know sellouts, that um, I think that for the most part, many of our people don't even believe that there can be or anyone is willing to be a spook. Mm. And that is horrible if if we're actually trying and, and, and have an adversary where we're unable to use um, inside information that you will, if you will, to um, to to accomplish, to accomplish leverage and advantage. So the fact that because of turncoats not being dealt with properly or um the, the the lack of confidence of um the ability to to have have uh what's the word I'm looking for? The lack the the lack the ability is lacking I think. We no longer have con- like for example the spook that sat by the door, if we spoke about it to someone now, they would say, oh, no one can't do it. It, it can't be done. It's <laughs> not true. Right. right. But everywhere, but every conflict or adversarial situation always has an insight. So I don't understand how when you hear folks speak, if we can't get inside information, how do we expect to gain to gain leverage and advantage? Mm. Yeah, no, that's that's. I think that's in the heart of war, right? One of the pieces where Ooh. making sure that you making sure that you have one of your people on the inside. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and um. You know, if I was I was questioned personally if um Europeans, regardless of whether it's Chinese or it's our people, whoever, if they can always have their people excuse me, if they can have always if they can always have um their agenda served by other people mm. What are we not doing that we're unable to do a similar same thing? Well, being being a powerless people right now, that 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 ties into that. I think if we got more power and then could become a bigger player on the geopolitical scene, then there'd be a few more rewards <laughs> for the possibility of doing that. I think right now, for whatever reason, we don't see a, a big reward set in doing that, and so we don't do it. There's two groups of people who have fabricated history, yet who make major moves and have extreme leverage in the world right now. One homosexuals to hmm. so-called or European Jewish folk. They neither, their history, they, they don't have the rich
rich history we have. We don't have the ties, the linkages, the ancestors. However, lacking all those things, they may not be in control or they may not be in power, but they absolutely have found ways and means to influence those who do have power to do things on their behalf and for their benefit. And anyone who does not, who believes who believes otherwise or doubt what I'm saying is not being honest about what they're seeing. Which means if these group of folk who don't have the cultural ties, don't have the history, don't have the connection and all the things that we have as a people, yet, however, dictate and and are able to leverage themselves, that means there's something that we're doing wrong. Creating them have numbers. Well, the one thing that I would think both of those groups have that we don't have is is a cohesive ideology and a cohesive vision of what they're looking for and looking towards. The 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 the, the, the more predatory homosexuals have a gay agenda, <laughs> and the Jews have cohesive ideology. You know, amongst I mean, they they have reformed and Zionists or that sort of stuff as far as divisions, but they still rally around certain key things. I think since we're still divided for whatever reason in a large group, now, you know, you've got small pockets that do have that cohesion, but in that larger scale, we don't have that clear vision of what we want. We don't have a clear ideological standpoint that we're standing on, and I think those two groups do have that, and so then it's better for them. So then you can send one of your people in because you know for a fact that they're going to stay true to that vision and bring back the information that they need versus us, you know, we'll get in, they'll give us some money. (laughs) We didn't have a clear ideology, ideological standpoint anyway, so then they end up turning on us. I agree with you to a certain degree. The other thing, but what I do say is, there, then there has to be or should have been some someone who was not sent in and just saw the need to do what needed to be done for our people. Another thing is that you mentioned. You're right. There's not a clear ideological ideological stand, um, focal point to rally around. But also, I think more importantly, the first thing that we lack, I think, is ambition. Oh, wow. We want to be liber we want to be liberated while other people want to rule the world. It's a different level of ambition. It's the difference between wanting to get out of jail and wanting to establish 
a world that you're in control of. If you're in jail, it's different between saying, man, I can't wait. Once I get out of jail, everything will be okay, and, you know, I'll be all right. It's another thing that says, when I get out of jail, I'm going to build and do X, Y, and Z. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you're 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 creating a wider what word am I looking for? A wider distinction between liberation talk and nation building talk when they don't overlap properly. We're aiming low. Our aim, we are aiming low. Because I mean, liberation in itself should have. Let's let, let me say, liberation should have the nation building piece within it. Now, I'm 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 there with you that a lot of folks don't. And like you say, just about getting out of jail. Whew, okay, I'm free, and then that's it. <laughs> Versus, I'm 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 getting out, and now I'm going to do something to make sure other folks I don't get back in. Other folks look like me don't get back in. We're, we're going to create something totally different. So, so, so liberation should. That's not ruling the world. That's not controlling the world. Even if even if you're talking about building a nation, that's not controlling the world. And for some reason, you hear people say or even write, "Well, all we want to do is be able to live in the code. We don't say want to rule, but wrong." Wrong, 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 wrong. And 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 I guess for me, because of my personal journey, it's become real clear to me that if I'm going to make mistakes, let it be on my terms. Mm. Let me be in charge making mistakes, not be not 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 make mistakes based on someone else's terms, and you know figure out how I'm going to fix it. No. They make mistakes on my terms and where I control the situation. We're not trying to control the situation. Our ambition is not to rule and to determine the situation. Our ambition is to uh, be relieved from the current situation and then do our own thing. So now, if you think about it, and it just hit me as I'm, as as we're speaking, we want to be able to be liberated, quote unquote, and do our own thing. However, we know that there are a bunch of other people doing the wrong thing. So which means we, we're willing to leave them to do to continue to do the wrong thing as long as they'll do the wrong thing to us. Because we're not saying, well, let's overtake this thing and then be able to do the right thing by the world. <laughs> that's not that's not what allowed the. A lot of voices are saying, Mm-mm. just let me get out of jail and I'm good. 
Not let me get out of jail and tear down the jail. Let me get out of jail and eliminate jails but because I can create a society where jails are not as necessary. Or let me get out of jail and control the situation where I can distribute resources where, you know, people won't find as much of a need or a compulsion to be criminal. Let me get out of jail to create a situation where people are more cooperative or our people are more where our people are more cooperative and loving to one another and therefore we're in charge of the situation worldwide. That's not what we're saying. See, I'm thinking this point R and and, and nation building is somewhere around E or F. And, and if we could just I'm down with you for having that larger vision. We've heard a few folks talk about it or, or, or use the rhetoric around it, I think, as far as once we heal ourselves, then we'll, heal, we'll be healing the nation. We'll be healing humanity, but we got to heal ourselves first. And, and so, you know, there's that rhetoric out there, but, mm-hmm. but I, I think that's just so far down the line because you're talking – because you first got to get your own geopolitical piece in order to then be able to manage and look after and dictate the geopolitical affairs of other folks and then be able to put sanctions and, 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 and penalties and stuff. You see what I'm saying? That, there's so much to get that, of putting that together to get to point R of, of, of managing the world and making sure it's being governed off of my eyes. Versus what the hell it's dealing with now That that if we could just get to At least D and E And, and, and get functioning communities That are networking together as, as a mini nation You know, that that would be A good step for the next Three, four generations As long as they don't lose sight of That larger goal is Having, having humanity Being ran off of my eyes See again, and 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 is ruling the world even in the plan and in, in and in the equation. See, you're saying it's R, but are people even getting to R? Is that in the equation? We can't get to we can't get to D right now. <laughs> See, you, you, you know one thing one thing that that happens. That we do as adults, that we won't tolerate. We we accept things from adults we won't tolerate from children. We would never tell a child not to strive for the maximum because they haven't done the minimum. Never. We would never tell a child, do not strive for B, do not strive for Z because you don't have B. All of a sudden, we become adults. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, well, you know, you can't strive for Z until you have B. No. If it doesn't make sense to tell a child what what happens when you become adult, it becomes, it somehow makes a bunch of sense. But for the child and the adult, they're going to want to know how to get to Z. And so, it, and so we have to, with rhetoric and with actual work, show them the ways of doing that. 
And, again, I'm sure you'd agree with me that the way to get to having humanity being ran on my eye is to first, well, second or third, get communities functioning autonomously. They link up with other communities, and that creates a mini-nation, if you will. And then you have more leveraging power over other folks that are next to you that may not be down what you're doing, but they're tied to you based on trade. They're tied to you based on education. They're tied to you based on you're protecting them. You know, then you got more leverage, but you can't even get there if you don't have a functioning mini nation, if you don't have a functioning network of community. So if I'm hearing you right, you're saying make sure we put that larger piece in the dialogue. And, and make sure that's what we're striving for and don't lose sight of it. But but the nation-building folks are, you know, at least trying to get those other pieces in play to work up to that larger vision. And and I, I'm not saying that's something that shouldn't be involved in the process. My question is, if we've seen success done as Baba Mawali, a.k.a. Al-Hajimu Kelsabaz, a.k.a. Malcolm X, a.k.a. Malcolm Little, FKA, excuse me, um, then these processes that people are speaking about, many times what I've read, they're not referring to points in history where those processes were needed or necessary in another or similar situation where that has happened. Where they say, oh, well, these people first did this and did that, and then that made this viable for them to do this. They're not referring to that because that's not what they did. They're not referring to that. They're not saying, well, this is based on, well, if you do a nation first, this and that, no. They're not saying because the quote-unquote people did this in quote-unquote, well, they did this first in quote-unquote, because if the study was done on people who were oppressed, and how they move their stuff, the things that we're speaking about that's needed, that's not what they did. Okay. The, the thing you're talking about, the nation or nation Islam? No, no, no not the nation Islam. I'm talking about, I'm saying what what um, Baba Mawali spoke about specifically. He said, if you want to figure out, paraphrasing, if you want to figure out how to, improve or relieve your situation, look what other folks have done all over the world. What we speak what what many times people have spoken about with nation building as opposed to uh maroonage, which is two different which is different. They they, they connect but it's different. It's very, very different because When you're speaking about whether it was Quilombo, 
whether it was Quilombo, um, Palmares, it wasn't this um, super thought-out um, plan, strategy of, well, and, and, and as you said before, the thought was that the unified ideology of thought was there because at that time the, the, the oppression was, was such that it was real clear to point out, look, they're killing us, they're doing this, we need to fight, and this and that. And it was only a few, a few. It's not this mass movement that I think a lot of us even subconsciously try to, you know, employ as, as the way to go. It was not this mass movement. It was a strong movement of a few that that gained momentum and moved and went up like a tidal wave. Tidal wave come, you got to move. It's not asking you to move. I don't need you to join me. You're gonna, you're gonna move because the way that that has been created forces you to move. And when that movement comes, then other folks have to move quickly or follow whichever one, whichever term you choose. But if you're just saying, well, you know, if we do this and then that and then this and then that, first, you know, many times what you're talking about is not being forthright in addressing the situation. Like I said earlier, we're in a pressure situation. We're looking more to not be oppressed than to control the situation. That's two different ambitions. And it's one thing to have an ambition and then say, I need to do step one before I get to the final ambition, it's another thing to not have the ambition involved in the equation. Ruling the world is not involved in the equation for what I see for the most part. And in and, and, and most speech and most conversations, that's not involved in the, in the conversation. Because even if you don't rule the world, at least you're making, you know, a strong influence to how the world moves. We're not even trying to be influential in the world to a certain degree, in my opinion. Because when I look at, as I'm watching more and more the homosexual agenda and what they've done in the last 20 years, their stuff morphs. It's not no unified ideology or anything that you're talking about. You know why? Because first it was just, you know, homosexuality, gays and lesbians. Then they added bisexuals to the mix. And adding bisexuals not still on their momentum. Then they added transsexuals. And as much as bisexuals and transsexuals, if you look at it, has no real... Um, connection to if you were quote unquote born gay, if you don't even go with that born gay, mm-hmm. it, it became a gay movement to an LBGT movement or LGB was it lesbian LGBT movement, oh, and it's oh, not slowed down. 
that what you said? No, I was just saying a whole bunch of initials, yeah. Exactly. And it has not slowed down. So 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 the premise of the, the confirmed ideology, no. I'm I'm saying well, no, something they, that's otherwise. They rally around I'm, the deviant behavior. They rally around challenging the quote-unquote established gender norms. I mean, no, you, you, there are some established ideological, and I don't read the literature, but since I work in a bookstore, I see a lot of it across across um, my, 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 my vision, if you will, and they are out there publishing their books and having their talks, um, trying to fully break down every aspect of gender from neurological science to just sociology to to anthropology. They're coming about it from a whole bunch of different angles. And I think it's I personally think it's BS but but they they've got these multi pronged approaches. But again, the challenging the established notions of challenging the God given <laughs> notions of gender. This is that all those cute little alphabets. That's what they're rallying around. That's at least one and thing that they're rallying around. Exactly. They they don't want to be tolerated. They want to be accepted as equal. That's a different ambition. This is this is what I was this is what I was this 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 is the comparative difference. They do not want to be tolerated. And seen as okay, we we accept that you exist. No, they want to be seen as equal, if not above. And they're only saying equal only because for the nature of the rhetoric. So that, this is what I talked about: the ambition. Their ambition is greater than just not being oppressed. Our ambition tends to be not being oppressed. There are few of us that may speak about nation building maroonage, but but even even those few really really only want that as a means of not being oppressed, not a means of 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 just being sovereign for sovereign's sake. They're seeing that as an end, as a means to an end. So it's like, well, if we have nation building, we won't be oppressed. So, that, so therefore, the focus is still oppression, and the focus is not not being in charge and and and, and determining the situation. So even even those who speak about it, it is it is more seen as a means of not being oppressed as opposed to being able to determine the function of the world. But yeah, I want maroonage, I want nation building, and within the, sub, the, the, the subtext of that is because I won't be oppressed. It's not I want to be, you know, I want to have nation building maroonage because I want to rule the world, because I want Africans back on top making decisions and making sure that stuff runs the way we want it, how we want it. Because then we always, because then even our language says, oh, so humanity can this and that. So we went from 
not being oppressed by white people or by Europeans to allow ourselves to be African to then so we can hold hands and be we of the world. <laughs> that's that's the from what I've read and from what I've heard, that's that's what the the, the that's what's being promoted. Where if you see quote unquote Zionists, it's real clear. It's like yo as a matter of fact what we don't see, what we don't understand, we're the only people who, who even are ambitious too low. This is a global competition, and we're trying to get in second place. Is it possible that we, that some of us, are just trying to do it in a state, in a progression stage? I'm, 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 I'm still sort of hearing. We should be trying to make the whole pie right now when, honestly, we don't have the ingredients to the pie. So I'm Every hearing you, we should be making the pie, but, but, but our ingredients are lacking right now. Every football season, the goal of every team is to make it to the Super Bowl. But they also have the draft. They also have training camp. They also have <laughs> motivational we, stuff to put all ambition. those pieces. But you're talking about ambition. You can't even if you can't conceive it. How are you going to perceive it? We're not even conceiving it. You're talking about perception and plans without without even conception. The, 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 your perception is limited to your conception. So if you don't conceive it, you're not. Just, if you don't conceive it, then, then then what you perceive is going to be limited. If you don't conceive excellence, if you don't conceive, well, yeah, we're supposed to. Then, then no, because you're saying we shouldn't think about ruling the world because we can't do this right. And like I said, we wouldn't tell a child that. No, I'm saying I'm I'm I. Yeah. <laughs> for, for folks who are gonna for folks who are gonna listen to this in the archives, both of us are friends, so he knows certain things about me. <laughs> so so he knows that 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 I'm down for that. I I, I would just I'm adding in that it, it, it's it's it, it's the thing of getting there. So if you're, if not, you're saying that if you're saying that message needs to be put out more, I'm I'm a hundred percent. It's not more. You meaning less than what? It's out there. It needs to be there. Period. Because in a global listen, we're in a global colony. The difference is the Europeans have been the people who have been the big dogs ruling the planet. However, other people are not coming in to the picture. The Europeans have been the big dog, the, the champion of everyone. They've been ruling, they've been the big dog. The difference is other people are saying, you know what? We're not trying to just 
not be under European rule. We're trying to rule the damn world. You think China, what do you think China's doing? You think China says, oh, well, what we want to do is just stop Europeans? No. From controlling our situation? No. You think India says, you know what? Over the no. You think you think you think Chavez is saying, oh, we just no. You think Russia no. Well, the other set of Europeans. No, they're saying we want to control the situation. We want to control. Not just our situation, but the situation. We want to determine, we understand. See, we don't understand that this is a competition. We don't understand this is a competition. And it's a global competition. Because we're so focused on just the European, we think that once we get past them, it's all good. Like, oh, once we get liberated, then we're okay. Because, of course, India and China, because, of course, China's not, you know, going to colonize Africa. They're just buying up Africa because they're smart, kind business people. <laughs> so we're full, so focused on once we get the Europeans out of Africa and once we do this, yeah. But, no, the Chinese are cool. We, we'll let them in. Yeah, they, they, they're cool. They're not, they're, they're, they're different. This is a global, this is a competition. So, so, okay, so let me pose this to you. How do you feel then, with what you've laid out, how do you feel the rhetoric should change and how do you feel the the action aspect should change? <laughs> the rhetoric should change from, number one, um, that we need a prepared, autonomous, sustainable solution to move forward in the 21st century. A path, if you will. Um, little self promo there. Um, we need to secure our own survival needs and means. First, that needs to be primary because once you do that, and again, my philosophy is evolution is something we need to strive for before revolution because revolution well put it like this, let me say it like this, I'm sorry. I refer to myself as an evolutionary simply because you can't have a revolution without without evolution. First, because of the spelling, you can't spell revolution without evolution. And two The process of a revolution is one that needs to evolve. 
And he's not talking about evolution in a Darwin sense. I'm sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to clear that up for anyone that's listening. No, in the Darwin sense, no, where it's coming from, no. I'm talking evolution in the, not in the Darwin sense, but in the sense of, 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 of survival, meaning anything that's sentient or anything, whether that's a virus, whether that's a microscopic virus, or even if you were to go physic, whether that's an atom, everything that strives to exist, everything that strives to exist or maintain existence, try to secure it, it tries to secure its existence and secure its own survival. And through evolution, adapting to its environment, and yeah, absolutely. Evolving. I just want to clear that up for the. I just want to mm-hmm. clear that up for the listeners and folks who are going to download the archives. I want you to think that I want anyone to think that you were promoting Darwinism and all that sort of stuff. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I got you. I understand. It's not a problem. Evolving, adapting for the sake of what? For the sake of control, for the sake of self-determination. But you have to have self-preservation before you have self-determination, which is the whole thing about why the whole seven, the seven principles of Kwanzaa, the first principle should have been self-preservation first. Because if you don't preserve yourself, you have nothing to determine. Hmm. You're not determined nothing. If you don't preserve yourself, if you don't secure the the needs for your survival, then you're not going to determine much of anything for long. So I think the conversation needs to be securing and taking control of our survival situation. The reason why we don't the reason why we don't think about because somebody takes care of it for us. So therefore there's no need for us to think about it. Someone else someone else takes care of it, but they they take care of it. So we don't have to worry about survival, we can worry about liberation. So that's why people tell me, Oh, you need to think about survival. That's your thing. Right. Survival is a Kepler thing. Okay. Gotcha. Survival is my thing. It's not our thing. It's not our people thing. It's my personal thing. You need to focus on survival, Kepler. The rest of us don't have to because we're going to focus on liberation because our survival is taken care of. You see what kind of schizophrenia we get into? Right. How can we want a top world system that we depend on to live? In order to liberate us, that that goes back to the jail thing. It's a difference between wanting to be out of jail to do one thing, or to have the jail be less oppressive. <laughs> if the jail was if the jail was less oppressive, a lot of us would be okay. That's why I speak about the ambition. Of of of, of ruling and controlling the situation, because some people don't I mean, want to rule the jail. 
what you the, the the last point you made was a bitter pill, but that's a very true pill. If if the jail was a bit less oppressive, we'd be we'd be more okay with it. I'm still stuck. I'm still stuck somewhere. I'm still stuck at how do you get to envisioning running the world if you're not running your family, if you're not running yourself, if you're not running your block, if you're not running your family, if you're not running black folks that think like you, you, you see what I'm saying? I still, I mean, I don't think that you're disagreeing with me that it has to be a progression. I think, I, I, I don't know what you're thinking, but I, I, I don't think that you disagree with me there. Maybe there's some disconnect over how the, the, the rhetoric to get there should be. I mean, help, help me out here. Because we can't, mm-hmm. I'm sure you would agree we can't jump to running the world right now where we're at. <laughs> there has to be some progression there. I, I need to understand your question. I need to understand what you're saying. Because what I hear you saying is that I did not consider running the world until. I run my block. Okay, no, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying... What I'm saying is this. Like I said, there, there are things that... This is not the only thing. There are things that we don't accept from a child to say to us that we accept as normal adult um, rhetoric, if you will. If a child right, no, says... Right, we, we went through that. And I just said, that's not what I'm saying. Right. So I'm so, trying to get to right how to how to change it up to where it's yeah go ahead basically it, it, it's simple if 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 all we want to do we, it, 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 matter of fact I even change it all together not not change it I even phrase it differently if we just wanted to control our survival needs from top to bottom, from beginning to end, food, water, shelter, um, heat, and the basic needs of survival, if we strove, if we strove? No. If we strived, wow, being late. If we strive <laughs> to um, take care of that first, just that, then it, it becomes real clear that on that progression that you want to control as much of your personal situation as possible and extend that control further than just yourself if that means um, having others respond to your influence. But the testing ground for that is the smaller networks because you know I'm down with you for controlling that from top to bottom. I'm there. Creating or, or being a part of natural water supplies, figuring out a way to 
to to tap into the grid or hell create your own grid for for electrical power so you can divvy out I'm, divvy out power I'm to your people that way. About that, come out. See, not even how going there. People, okay. How many people speak about this? Who have spoken about this longer than you and I both are alive? How many of them have a spoken about it in a clear, concise method? B created plans to have those of us who come behind them to do it, or C are speaking about it currently who've been born in the last I don't know. 20 to 40 years. Well, I only know two... I was going to say, I only know two people who are living off of the electrical grid or who have lived off the electrical grid. Uh, But but as far as a whole putting it together in in a quote-unquote manual, leaving it behind for the next year, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't think anyway. Nope. Exactly. Which means that as much as revolutionary, as maroonage, as nation building, as many of us want to be, it still means that whether it's subconsciously or whether it's implicit, that we still have to have the system maintain itself for us to even live. So it's kind of schizophrenic, and then we wonder why we can't make the progress we want. We need the system to exist in order for us to be liberated, because that's our, that's our goal. See, if you want to rule the world, then you don't care about any other system. The hell with this shit blow, you want this shit to blow up. You want it to die. You want like, you know what? Hell with this shit. Let it all go to hell. But, but, matter of fact, let it be anarchy, and then we can sit <laughs> out and see, you know, the best man win. And we think we're the best, that we should win. That's my thoughts. I would have no problem with anarchy. I, I would have no problem because my confidence which has been waning lately, judging by what I've seen from my people. But my confidence in our people is that we're the best, so everything with this shit, we come out on top. I don't feel strongly anymore because, you know, having the ability and talent is different from having the willingness to do it, to use it. And discipline, excuse me, willingness and discipline. Because obviously, obviously the willingness and discipline is what has us oppressed and not talent and power. Europeans are more willing and they're more disciplined. So basically, we're Allen Iverson and <laughs> Europeans are Robert Horry. No, they're Robert Horry has five five damn championship rings. Right. I was going to have one. We don't have one. And that's, we will not be in the 
That's he a will not be in the Hall of Fame. Who are you, somebody else? Hold on. Let me. He's most of our people's man. No, sit no, hold on. I missed him for a reason. That's the problem. Seriously, that's the problem. Robert Lowry has five rings and been a champion on one Houston. Houston. He's in Chicago and the Lakers. Oh, yeah, huh? San too. About four different teams. About four different teams. I think he got two with the Lakers. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it. And the Ivers ain't winning shit. He's a team killer. And, and he, he's not disciplined because he thinks, he thinks practice is a joke. And, and refuses to, 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 to evolve because he's the same height and size. He's the same weight and size that he came in coming to the league. Just about, or everyone else puts on muscle and, and changes it and ups their game, ups the level of their game. And most of our people, ninety percent of our people, value Iverson more than they would value Robert Ory. Although Ory is 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 connected to to, to excellence and connected to championships and connected to 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 doing anything that needs to be done. To win. Now, what he wants to do, what it needs to be done, whether it's a cheap foul, whether it's a three pointer, whether it's a rebound, whatever it needs to be done, he's going to do it. We like flashy Iverson. Let me take it off of that sensitive subject and bring it back to something else that you mentioned twice before. You said that we would say things to an adult that we wouldn't necessarily say to a child. I would say, and, and, and I'd like to hear your response, and let's not forget we got about 12 minutes left. Uh, if a child or an adult comes to someone and you ask them, what do you want to do? What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you see yourself doing in the next 20 years? Both the child and the adult will give an answer. If 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 the person who they're talking to is you know a, a, a grounded person you know or they they're sharing this and they want to give either one of them some advice, whatever they say, if the child says this is what I want to be when I grow up, if the adult says this is what I do want to do in the next twenty years, that person that they told them to, responsible person, there we go. They won't shoot down these big goals that they have. They will say, I want you to achieve these big goals. But if the responsible person will then say, what are you going to do to achieve them? What in the day-to-day or what in the month-to-month are you going to do to achieve them? So they're going to keep the big goals there, but then they're going to ask them to break it down and really look into and dig into the feasibility, the applicability the skill set, all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be broken down. And and then hopefully walk them through, you know, achieving what they want to be when they grow up, what they want to do in the next 20 years. So I'm saying that to say, I think you know where I'm going, with this large, huge goal of of commanding the world and having the world move off of an African ethos, I'm still holding to the point that you got to go back to how are you going to get there. 
and 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 I know you 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 gave the example of if a group of folks go in saying they want to control all of their needs from from the beginning to the end, then that that's a way to move towards that. But it still doesn't contradict what 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 I've been saying as far as you've got to do it in progressive steps. You 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 gotta you gotta go through the A and the B and the C to get to that larger piece. And so I'm 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 not okay. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And and I I, I tend to do this. Let me put it in, and let me give another example. Let's look at chess, right? Now, when you play chess, your goal is to make the king. Checkmate. Okay. Now, when you teach someone to play chess or you learn to play chess, You're not saying, oh, I need to learn every single opening before I can consider winning a game. You take one or two openings and you go and play. That's it. You take, you say, I know one or two, fine. And when you get successful with those, you're like, great. If you want to get better, you say, okay, let me a little bit more and get some little variation. Or rather, excuse me, I'm sorry. I said that wrong. You take one or two openings, opening moves, to start. As you would say, using what you're saying, you can start here. You don't wait to find every single opening and learn every single opening to then say, once I learn every opening, I will then be able to win. No. You say, you know what? I'm going to go with this opening and this opening I like, and I'm going to use it to win. Or you know what? i got these different, these two or three different openings to win. You don't learn every single opening and then say, man, I can't even think about winning until I learn every single opening. You don't do that in chess. You take one or two, and you start playing. And as you begin playing, you're like, okay, this is cool. All right, I like this. Okay, I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. What it seems like you're saying is the fact that you need this, that you shouldn't be able to want to win the game until you learn such, 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 and such, which all you need in fact to do is learn the moves of the pieces, learn how to observe, learn to be disciplined, and develop a strategy while you're doing that. And you can do that as you're and you can do that as you're playing. You don't need to stop and say, oh, wow, you know, I need to go back and read a book. 
And then people played pretty well. And I've never read a book on chess. So, so, so in, in other words, they, they, they didn't have the, the cohesive ideology that you're speaking about. All they're doing is making moves and trying to win. But now we have history to show that cohesive ideology in the long term does have more staying power than just willy-nilly stuff. But what I'm saying is... Okay, I'm just going You mean what? With, 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 with China? With, what oppressed people? Where is this ha- Like, you should be up evidence. What evidence? Just because it worked does not necessarily mean that was the best method. Because if you have other methods that work, that means you have determined why, what best, what made that the best method for that circumstance as opposed to other circumstances. If, if different methods work, that means different circumstances allow those methods to be viable. That's why you have so many different chess openings. That's why you have... Within chess, you have the not just the openings, you have the openings, then you have the middle game, you have tempo, you have a bunch of other variables. But, but back to what you're saying, which started at first, which is the openings. Every op- as many openings as they are, which I don't remember how many they are, but every opening can gain you a win in chess, correct? There's no, there, yeah. there's no chess. So, therefore... That means that if you have variable openings, that means you have variable ways of winning. So you variable so, ways so of winning. winning. Yeah, variable winning. ways like, of winning in the short term. Again, the, the yeah, chess no, no, analogy no, can no. only go so. The chess analogy can only go so far when you when you then expand it to human beings and, and, and larger geopolitical ramifications. I mean, if we want to talk about Germany. And, and and Hitler, if we want to talk about Mao, we want to talk about Stalin from that angle. If we want to talk about um uh Shaka Zulu and what he what he did, if we want to talk about the, the Sante Confederation getting folks together within some type of whether it's wrong or right, cohesive ideology, a cohesive ideological framework. You, 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 I'm trying to think of a group that didn't have any type of ideological ties that has done something that lasted longer than fifty, sixty, seventy years. I can't think of I can't think of that example, but I can. I just mentioned a few other examples at least that 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 had some type of modicum of success because they did have that ideological coherency. I mean, the, the Shaka was beating the British down until that last particular battle, but he had to fight and go in and pull people in and get them to be like, look, we can't beat these fools as small, disparate groups. We need one large group here. 
and 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 I'm sorry I'm gonna have to kill some of you, some of y'all who are disagreeing with me, but y'all will see the larger benefit of what I'm talking about. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.